Does everyone have a Bible with them this morning? Yeah. Would you just raise it, be it paper and digital? We are a Bible-believing church. Yes. Amen. This is what we believe. This is what we should be bringing with us when we gather together as the people of God. Because you need to know that what I say is actually in here. The best way to find that out is to bring a Bible. So, and if you're a believer, just say this with me. This is my Bible. I believe this is the Word of God. I love the Lord. And I love His Word. To say I love the Lord. But not believe His Word makes no sense. So Lord Jesus, find me ready, willing, and daring to believe all that you show me today. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you turn with me to a scripture, please? I've got three scriptures or passages of scripture I'd like to look at. The first one is in Hebrews chapter 10. The reference will magically appear on the screen behind me. But not the actual scriptures. I'm going to read those to you and you can follow along. Another reason why it's important to bring your Bible with you. But I'm going to read this morning from the English Standard Version. Hallelujah. It says this, in, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh... And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full confidence and assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us therefore consider how to stir up one another to love And good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Amen? Amen. What wonderful scriptures. When Kerry Jones, who's the apostle to this church, was with us just a couple of weeks ago, he asked us a question. He read us a passage from Acts chapter 1. He said that this same Jesus who has gone away from you will come back in the same way. Jesus is coming again. Do we believe that? Jesus is coming again. And he poses a question. He said, so are we ready? And I've got my ticket. I'm saved. If he comes right now, yes, I'm ready. But in my readiness, he's given us work to do. He's given us things that we need to put into practice. And one of the things that we need to put into practice because we belong together in Christ is the meeting together, the gathering together. And God has told us that we are to be a church that gathers together unto the Lord and that goes together in the power and authority of the name of the Lord. And this passage in Hebrews is wonderful because, first of all, it assures us that because of we have a great high priest, Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, because he's already saved us and because of what he's done, we can come with full assurance of faith, with confidence that we are accepted before him. So that's wonderful, isn't it? We can come before him with full assurance. But then there's this check that the writer of the Hebrews says. He says, don't neglect the meeting together, the gathering together, as some are in the habit of doing. And that's a very strong word. You see, 
Neglect is never passive or accidental. Neglect is a very strong word. Neglect is the same word that Jesus on the cross turned to his father and said, Father, why have you forsaken, neglected me? It's a very strong word. And the writer of the Hebrews encourages the saints, don't forsake. Don't actively put off the meeting together. But let us consider one another. How we can stir one another up to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. You know, since the first century when this was written to the the believers of the, the early church, the enemy has been trying to split the people of God up. He's been trying. If it wasn't a problem, the writer to the Hebrews never would have had to address it. But ever since the first believers who came to Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, gospels, signs and wonders began to meet together and grew and grew and grew and grew. Ever since then and before, the enemy, the devil, for he is real, has been trying to separate the people of God from one another. And our encouragement is this. Don't neglect meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but Let us draw near together and all the more as we see the wonderful day of the Lord approaching. In a world that has been crippled by isolation and loneliness. In a world where because of the wonders of social media we supposedly have never been more connected. There has never been a greater case of loneliness. And even as believers... We say, well, I've got, my, I've got my apps and I've got my Bible reading plans and I've got my, my God TV and all my different channels and I can still receive the word of God, but one of the things you can never receive through a device is the fellowship of the saints. And don't let any whisper of a lie ever be entertained in yourself that it's okay to stay away because I can get what I need just through there, through myself. We were not created, we were not saved to be isolated from one another. But actually, here's the wonderful truth of so much of Scripture. In fact, I've been reading 1 John uh, chapter 1 recently. It says that since we have fellowship with him, we also have fellowship with one another. And actually, because I have fellowship with God, I have to express fellowship this way. And to say I have fellowship with God, but I don't fellowship this way, causes me to be a liar. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We not only have fellowship with him, but with one another. It's wonderful. We were joined together in Christ. The Bible says we were baptized into him in Romans 6, but it also says we were baptized into one another. And yet there's a challenge for the church around the world, particularly in the Western church. Don't neglect the meeting, the gathering together, as some are in the habit of doing. But all the more, let us encourage each other to be together as we see the day of the Lord approaching. The believer who says they don't want to or they don't need to meet with other Christians has been deceived. And we have to take that head on and strong and say, don't be deceived any longer. You were born to live as a family. That's what the church is. The church is not like a family. The church is a family. And God puts the lonely in families. We've been created, therefore, for what the first century church, they gave this wonderful word, fellowship. Anyone familiar with the word fellowship? It's not a word we perhaps use on a a daily basis, but uh, I believe it's a word we need to bring it back. It's ours. It's biblical. Let's have it back, shall we? Uh, It's unfortunate today that the word fellowship has become unfashionable, somehow dusty, 
somehow uh, religious, yet to the church in the first century, what you read about in the book of Acts, which we'll turn to in just a little moment, it was everything. It was one of their core distinctives. It had such an electric reality to it that they felt poor and lost without it. Uh, It says this in Acts 2 verse 42, they were devoted to it. uh, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, he makes a a very deliberate, he's a a doctor, he's a medical man, his notes are very deliberate. He makes an incredible statement about just where they place fellowship. Said, And they were devoted to the word, the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, prayer, and fellowship. He puts fellowship on the same level. Anybody read your Bible? Anybody pray? Anybody know the significance and power of breaking bread? Did you know on the same level, the first church, they saw fellowship on exactly the same level. There's something powerful, important. So we need to really understand what has the word got to say about this word fellowship. Because we don't use it, I I, I haven't used it all week, apart from just speaking to myself in my office preparing for today. It's not a word I use often. Anybody texted the word fellowship recently? Anybody called somebody up and said, fancy some fellowship? It's not in our vernacular, is it? But I believe it needs to be. We're taking it back. Because the Bible has much to say about fellowship. It talks about the spirit of fellowship, the right hand of fellowship. How we have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And because it places fellowship on, a, first of all, our relationship towards God... Immediately, fellowship transcends anything of the earth and has an eternal reality. It reflects something of the Godhead. It reflects something of what is happening in the heavenlies right now. And we have to see it work out here on the ground. Suddenly, the scriptures themselves break us out of our understanding of perhaps what we have placed fellowship into. Fellowship then is no longer defined by, do you want to hang out and have some fellowship? Yeah, uh, this is great coffee. This is good coffee. Isn't it good to have fellowship? What what should we do? Well, I I don't like so-and-so, so so, uh, do you want to hang out and uh, and grumble about them? We'll call it fellowship. These are things I've encountered. These are things I've heard. That's not fellowship. Fellowship isn't gathering together to come for my needs. Fellowship isn't coming to uh, a gathering of the saints, uh, be it on a, a Sunday morning or a Wednesday or a Thursday evening in a midweek group, to just to get what I need that I can go on. Fellowship puts us right in the middle of a family. Where ev- uh, the, Paul also describes the church as a body where everyone has a part to play and no part is without honor. Fellowship is more than just hanging out with the same people that you see all the time. The people you grew up with, the people you've known for 20, 30, 40, a million years. It's not about cliques, it's the family of God. What we have in common here is Jesus Christ and the gospel that will reach every corner of this world. Apart from him and apart from the gospel, I don't know why I'm in the same room as you. And you have every right to look at me and say, well, we're thinking the same thing. But here we are. All nations, church, from so many different nations, different corners of the world, different languages, different cultural backgrounds, and we have no right in earthly terms to have anything in common except we have found Jesus to be exactly who he said he is. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has saved us and he has joined us and he has given us a great gospel message and a commission and authority to go to every corner of the earth and preach it. And because we have that in common, 
we have every right to be together. And that is fellowship. It's what we have in common and that we celebrate and we participate in. If you ever look into uh, your Bibles in Greek words, if you like Greek and Hebrew word studies, about three of us do, you'll find that the Greek word for fellowship is uh, koinonia. And it, you, when you look into that, you won't find things it defined as uh, meetings or socializing or chatting or conversation. You, you won't find uh, Starbucks. You won't find uh, hanging out. What you will find are words like this, sharing, participation, contribution, things in common. We believe in biblical fellowship at All Nations Church. We believe and we're taken back and laying hold of everything that God has for us as we gather together unto the Lord and we go together in his name. So it means this. What does fellowship look like? It means this. If you're sick, we will come and pray for you. It means if you're in need, we'll reach into our pockets and we'll give you what we have. It means if you're in trouble, we'll help you. It means if you're lost, we will come and find you. It means if you're falling, we will catch you. It means if you're dangling over the edge in your heart of, of you feel, I'm just going, we will hold you and we'll raise you up. It means we will not let go of you until we see God do everything in his life that he has for you. It means that we will pursue you when you feel like you're on the edge and ready to wander away. Why? Because God has placed you in a family and we will not just blindly let you walk out the door. It also means this, that we will not come to you and leave you in the same state that we found you. But rather, we will come to you, and you can be honest, and you can be open, you can be vulnerable. That's what family does. But we will then speak the word of God to you. We will pray for you. We will lay hands of healing upon you, and we will point you towards Christ. It is no less than what Jesus Christ has done for us. And our fellowship with him needs to be reflected in our fellowship with others. When I came to God, he didn't leave me as he found me. He picked me up. I was a wretch, a dirty, stinking, filthy, sinful wretch. And he picked me up as a young man. He turned my life around. And he pointed me towards his son and said, that's my standard for you. And I'm going to help you get there. Here's my Holy Spirit. When we fellowship with one another, when we help one another, that has to be our same standard. Then I'm not, it's not good enough or acceptable ever for believers to gather together and just grumble and moan and complain. And you go away uh, with hurt and bitterness festering on the inside. But we we go away having been encouraged. We go away from meeting together on a Sunday. I hope this is your experience this morning, that before you go this morning, you will know I have left different than how I came in. And it's because I came to Jesus, but it's also because I came to the family of God. In midweek groups, which is why they're so important. We have two opportunities to gather together. Sundays, and we gather together in midweek groups. They're the things that we say, we would love you to do this. Take every advantage of every opportunity it has to, to gather with the saints. We call them life groups because they are groups which are to be full of life. But let us be clear, it's the church that meets in the home. And when the church is there, where two or three are gathered together in his name, Jesus is there with them. And anything can happen. Amen. Let's look at a passage in the book of Acts. I'd just like to show you from a couple of passages in the Bible a few glimpses of what fellowship looks like. Acts chapter 4. Not going to read all of chapter 4. So the context, a little as a way of recap before we join it in about verse 23, is that some of the disciples have, uh, they've been preaching the gospel, 
and the preaching of the gospel is followed by signs and wonders. And a, a, a man who everyone knew as being a beggar, as being a cripple, is, suddenly is miraculously healed by Jesus, by the hands of these disciples. And so, rather than celebrate that, they're arrested and told to give an account for that. And as they're being questioned, they're, they're thrown in jail, then brought out the next day and brought towards in front of the, the high priest. They're questioned, who are you that you've done this? And it says in that passage in Acts chapter 4, they noted that these were just ordinary people, ordinary men, unschooled, completely ordinary, no education. And yet they were speaking with such an authority. And they couldn't deny the miracle that had taken place. And in verse 13, an amazing verse, it's true of all of us. It says, they took note that they knew these men had been with Jesus. And there's the difference. And so they released them. They warned them not to do this anymore. And we'll pick up the story then in verse 23. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, who you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus." And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What an amazing passage of scripture. Keep one finger there. We're going to come back to that in a little while. But what an advert for the church that meets in the home. Your midweek meetings like that? They could be. Here's what happens. Life group leaders, take note. If you want a, a model, what does, what does a life group look like? Here we are. First of all, they went to their friends. These are friends gathering together. It says they visited. They shared testimony. They pray. They praise the Lord. They read the word to one another. The Holy Spirit gets involved. They're all filled. They're equipped. The house shakes and the gospel goes out. Yes. And that all happened in a house. Not, on, not in the synagogue, not in the temple, not on a Sunday morning, not at the all-nation center, at the house. Because where the people of God meet together, anything can happen. Jesus is right there with them. It's a fantastic passage, but it starts with this verse in verse 23. On their release, they went to their friends. Love that. I love that. Not the people they'd grown up with. Not their aunts and uncles. These are their friends. These are the people that they're joined to. Perhaps you've got other translations. One says this. They went to their own kind. The New Living Translation said they went to be with other believers. The Greek word idios uh, is translated this. They went to those who were uniquely their own. Believers. Together. All languages. All backgrounds. All cultures. All ages. They went to their friends. They didn't scatter. They didn't cower. They went to the best place they could. They went to be with the church. 
And it's remarkable, this life that is shared between these believers, because it goes on, if you stay in Acts 4, just verse 32, it says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. God was doing something, knitting something so powerfully among their lives. They desired to be together. They, went to be, they wanted to be not just with anyone. They didn't want to be alone. They went straight to their friends. And in the report, in the testimony, their friends then came around and said, then we have to pray. What's that passage from Psalm 2? It's this. Let's read that. Let's agree on that. And now, Holy Spirit, would you consider all that is going on? And Lord Jesus, as we continue to speak, would you continue to act? And the whole house begins to shake. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the fellowship of the saints taking place. That's the coming together to their friends thinking what we have in common is Jesus Christ and the mission of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now Holy Spirit help us and he does every time. They didn't, I could forgive them if it said and when they were released they went to lick their wounds and later on they came to be with the church. I could understand that. But fellowship does something that it takes me from I to us. It takes me away from me, and it brings me to you. That's what fellowship does. It's fellowship defined, this word uh, koinonia, like what already said. It's what gathers us together, and what gathers us together is King Jesus. If you've just come here for a social club, you're, you're in the wrong place. This is fellowship. This is, I'm gathered to my Lord and King. I, I, I've gathered, that's fellowship. We have him in common, and we have the gospel in common. That not only do we gather together, but we're called to go together. The glue then of our fellowship is not inward-looking, navel-gazing, four walls, how are we doing? It's, Lord Jesus, we're going to come together to celebrate you and everything we have in common in you. And now because of all that we have in common, these four walls don't count for us and we're moving out. We have a city to take. There was a wonderful example of a fellowship that took place in the city of Cardiff yesterday. There was a rugby match on. It's already been referred to. I don't know how many people, what the capacity of the stadium is, at the Principality Stadium, 80,000, 85,000. And then I was reading an extra 100,000 people were descending on the city just to be in the city. But that's not the fellowship that took place. You know, the best definition I can give to you with that picture in mind of fellowship is what was happening with the men in red on the field of play who had a common goal, who had a common interest, who played for one another, who played their heart out, who backed each other up, who celebrated with one another, who picked each other up when it wasn't quite going right, who rallied around, who against the odds took the victory out of the hands of, quote, the enemy. (laughs) I'm using that word very advisedly as an Englishman in Wales. It's a great day not to care about rugby. But that's fellowship. Not sitting there with my, with my, my pint of beer and, and, and my bag of nuts cheering them on occasionally and then leaving away for a great celebration. I did nothing. But to be in the scrum, to be in the huddle, to be on the field of play, to pick my brother up when he's just been hit, to celebrate with this one when he's gone over the line, to celebrate as it goes through the post, that's fellowship. 
That's who we are. The writer J.I.R. Tolkien wrote a series of books that we know as the Lord of the Rings. Anybody? uh, Okay, let's not ask you if you've read the books. Anybody seen the film? It's a safer bet, isn't it? Fooled everybody when the first film came out, and they called it because they split the book into three parts, and they called it The Fellowship of the Ring, and no one had a clue what it meant. The Fellowship of the Ring? What is that? Hanging out with a ring? Having coffee with a ring? I don't know what that means. But he defined it, and he uses that word very advisedly because he takes nine people for a quest. They have a goal. They've got to take this ring to a certain place, and the salvation of the world depends on it. But these aren't nine friends who come together easily. These are people who have different things in common, different backgrounds, different cultures, different challenges, different prejudices, and yet they're united on a quest. That's the fellowship. And here we are, none of us hobbits, none of us dwarves, none of us giants, We're the people of God. We're friends together, baptized into Christ and joined with one another. And you and I have a common goal now to take this gospel that we've received to the ends of the earth. And I don't have to go by myself because I know you're coming with me. And you don't have to go alone because you know I'm right there with you. And you don't need to think about, is anybody got my back? Is anybody praying for me? Because you know there are hundreds who are. Because it's fellowship. We're not left to our own devices. It's a covenantal joining. It's a 100%. I'm all in. I'm joined. I'm going to participate. If you go, then I'm coming with you. And if it looks like you're falling, I'll be there to hold you. It's fellowship. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 4. It could have cost them greatly, the friends. There's a knocking at the door. Who is it? Oh, no, they're here. Turn off the light. Blow out the candle. Do we have electricity? Blow out the candle. (laughs) Don't let them in. Don't let them be associated. They'll come for us. It's not. It's not like that. It's open the door wide. There's something about the meeting together. Early believers didn't drift in and out of fellowship. They didn't choose when to show up. They didn't look at their calendar and make judgment calls on what they did or didn't think was applicable to them. When the saints were meeting, they were meeting. I'm so blessed to be a part of this family that God has given you to me and he's given me to you. And I'm glad, so glad that we're on this wonderful journey together and we have two opportunities to meet every week. I just want to encourage you with everything that I can, with all grace and kindness, make the most of every opportunity to meet together with the people of God. I have never, never once come away from meeting with the people of God feeling, well, that was a waste of my time. There's always been something that I say, thank you, Lord, for that person. Thank you, Lord, for what you said there. Thank you, Lord, for what you shared. Thank you, Lord, for that testimony. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord. There's always something, and it spurs me on. Don't neglect or willfully put off or forsake the meeting. Of the saints. Turn with me to another passage of scripture, please, in Psalm 122. I'm just going to read this whole psalm and then just make a couple of quick points. Verse 1 says this I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls, security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. Amen. Psalm 122. It could be that you have uh, something in your Bible translations just above verse 1. Mine says in the English Standard Version, a song of ascents of David. Anyone have something similar to that? Because this is one of a collection of about 25 psalms that were collected together to be these psalms of ascents. Uh, And uh, sometimes they were called pilgrim songs. Three times a year, the the tribes would uh, gather together to go up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, where they would go, was at the top of a hill. So they would literally come and they would sing these psalms as they went up. That's why they are ascending. These are psalms of ascending. Um, This is a psalm to be sung. There would have been a melody to this. This is the heart of fellowship in musical form. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And again, this is a psalm which I treasure deeply because it takes me straight away from me to you and on to the Lord. It starts and it finishes with this. It takes me away from I and it tells me all about us. Just have a look at verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It goes from me to us and together we go to the Lord. We gather together unto the Lord. Verse 3, Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. What a beautiful picture of the people of God. Beautifully built Strong, with seamless walls, no gaps, nothing can get through, no division, everyone accounted for, no opportunity for the enemy to get any wedge of division in. That's what the church of God is. And it's seamless walls. They cannot be breached. Some believers will isolate themselves from the meeting together of the saints I need to tell you clearly and plainly, in doing so, you have made yourself vulnerable. And I simply appeal to you with the Scriptures. Come back and take your place in the seamless walls of the city of God. Take your place among your fellow family and your believers who can link arm in arm with you. And if you feel vulnerable, we will protect you. Because our God is for us. He is not against us. But don't face what you're facing alone. But come back in. Come and take your place in the seamless wall. I was reading in another translation, Psalm 133. It's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it says of verse 3, it says this. Jerusalem is a city whose fellowship is complete. Jerusalem is a city whose fellowship is complete. Nothing is lacking. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Verse 4 simply says this, all the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, they go on and they give their thanks. All the people, not special ones, not select ones, 
Not the young ones, not the old ones, not the proven ones, all the people. All the people, the Lord's people, gather to give thanks to the name of the Lord. You know, we are all welcome. We're all welcome. We're all welcome. Verse 8. For the sake of my family and friends, some versions say, for the sake of my companions. Companion is a fellowship word. For the sake of my family and friends, I say this, may you have peace. Again, it's a psalm that goes from I to us. For your sake, I will say this of you, peace. It focuses me away from myself. It desires no harm. It desires only peace to my friends and my family and my companions. And verse 9, for the sake of the house of our Lord, our God, I will seek what is best for you, Jerusalem. It's a psalm that puts others ahead of ourselves. It's us instead of me. It's you instead of I. It's a psalm that immediately says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And our chief concern is for his house and for his glory. We've been called to gather together unto the Lord and we've been called to go in his name. You and I were created to be together, to go together. We've been created for what the Bible calls fellowship. And I simply want to present that to you and say that is the word of the Lord to you. Do not neglect the gathering together of the saints as some of you are in the habit of doing. That's what the word says. But let us consider one another. Stir one another up. Encourage one another to love and to good deeds and all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. We are a family and we have a wonderful Jesus, a King of kings and a Lord of lords. We have him in common and therefore we have all things in common. And we have a wonderful pursuit of our Christ and his kingdom. But each one of us has to choose and decide We have opportunities to gather together. I simply want to encourage you. Choose to be together with the saints of God. Don't put off. Don't arrange things in their stead. But make him the priority. And you'll find this. As you make him the priority, he'll make us the priority. And as we come as the priority, we come unto him. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with not only him, but with one another as well. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time.